Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of books that have Woo-hoo! come out this very day. This is a big stack, Pete. You it's ready for this one? a stack attack is what it is. <laughs> wow. Look at you, boarded DJ. <laughs> First one we're going to kick it off with. This is a highly anticipated book from Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman. Absolute Carnage, number one from Marvel Comics. Pete. Absolute Carnage. <laughs> Yeah, I would thought there would be more carnage in absolute carnage. Well, it was carnage, the character. Right. So if you haven't been reading the Venom book, lots of stuff has been going on. Big thing you need to know, and they do a nice job of recapping it in the book, uh, but there is this ancient god of the symbiotes called Null, who actually created all the symbiotes, mm-hmm. uh, which includes Venom, Carnage, Shriek, I guess, and some <laughs> others. Uh, and Carnage has been going around and collecting bits of Null, which are left behind in anybody who has been touched by the symbiotes, in order to potentially bring Null back to life. Venom knows about this. He's on the run with a dude who thinks he's his brother, but is actually his son. Yeah. Uh, he has been lost. He's lost his alien costume, he thought. Uh, and uh, he's uh, gone through a lot of stuff recently. A lot mm-hmm. of stuff been going on. It's yeah. all been leading up to this, or at least this part of this, because this is not even the end of the story. Uh, but Carnage is back, and he's bringing the pain to Venom. How did you feel about this book, Pete? Well, what's great is... Uh it, the stakes are very high. So when you have absolute carnage, uh, yeah, it kind of sets this up as like, holy crap, how are they going to get out of this? How is this going to go down? I like this. It had a, I think it had a, a good amount of heart versus action and uh, really kind of set up this story. And it's fun to have Venom be the good guy against kind of carnage here. I really like that. I Carnage is a great villain because he's absolutely reprehensible like there's nothing let's see what you did there using the title again that was smart thank you very much uh reprehensible carnage (laughs) i we try so hard when we're writing stuff and when we're reading stuff as well to see into the villain's worldview here what carnage wants is just that he just wants carnage he wants death he wants destruction 
bringing Null back is going to achieve that. That's the only thing he's in for. And I like that. I like the simplicity of that villain versus the complexity of what is going on with Venom right now. The thing yep. that I really liked about this issue is I've been enjoying the Venom run, but if you're going to weave it into a big event, it has to get bigger. Yeah. And here, spoiler, but they immediately bring in Spider-Man. And there's a point where Venom's like, oh, I really do not want to do this. I do, <laughs> This is the one thing I don't want to do. Yeah. So this is the thing I got to do. And he goes and he gets Spider-Man. There's a very funny scene in a diner with Spider-Man and Venom and the kid yeah. where they're all being assholes to each other. <laughs> I think they captured the... Donny Cates captured the different voices there absolutely perfectly. Yeah. Uh, so I... I really enjoyed that a lot, and the, my one thing that I'm not 100% sold on yet is the new design of Carnage. Yeah. Like, I think there's a simplicity to the old Carnage. Here, so much shit has happened to Carnage in the intervening time. He's lost the bottom half of his body. He's died. He got sent into space. Multiple things have happened to him, so he's gotten the shit torn out of him, so I understand why he has the different look. Uh, this is much more of, it almost feels like a Bernie Wrightson on swipe, uh, Swamp Thing type horror look, which I think is what Ryan Stegman is going for in the book yeah. in general. Uh, but I, I th- I'm going to have to read more to get used to it, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I understand that. But also what I like about the art is it is grotesque it is kind of in your face and i think that's perfect for a carnage book i also really liked uh how worried the the venom symbiote is uh about what they're going up against that to me really instead of just fighting and kind of quipping and stuff like that uh you know even venom's worried so that makes me very worried um, well, you feel what Venom feels. The Venom combi- comic book is kind of like your symbiote. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't have to, you know, go to the store and buy it. It just attaches itself to me, and then I just <laughs> read it. So it's great. The other day, actually, I came into Pete's room, and he was just slathered. <laughs> In Venom comic books. That's really the only word that I could use. Uh, This is a great start. I'm excited to see how this spins out. I'm very curious about the spinoffs as well, because, again, one of my hesitations with any event, which we talked about a bit on the show, is it can get too big too quickly. There's a lot of stuff rolling off of this, but I am curious to check it out and see how they uh, weave everything together. I also think it's a great first issue where it really sets everything up. It's... You don't have to have read anything else to get into this, which for a symbiote book is ridiculously impressive. (laughs) There's even a point to the book where Venom's like, I hate this family. It's shit. It's too complicated. (laughs) And I appreciate that quite a bit. All right. Next one to talk about. This is from DC Comics Justice League number 29. Now, this is an issue focusing in on the character of Jaro. The little Starro, who was broken off during the No Justice storyline, he's become kind of a friend, son, uh, dude, something to Batman. Yeah. I love this issue. Of course you did. And I thought it was great. Of course you did. Yes. Did you not like this issue? No, I did not like oh, this Pete, issue. we're different people. Yeah, we really are. Any issue that ends with Batman hugging somebody is not my favorite issue. Oh, he was hugging Starro. Yeah, it just... Jaro just needed a hug. The You didn't like the panel of Jaro dressed in the Robin costume, being like, I have vengeance on the night, doing that whole thing. Nope. Super funny. You're wrong. Okay, cool. So the idea of this book, uh, 
they're dealing with uh, the Justice League, which is trying to turn the span of the multiverse towards justice, and the Legion of Doom, which is trying to turn it towards doom, in order to prepare for something else that is coming down the road. Uh, and this issue, what I liked about it in particular, is there's a microcosm of that. Like, they really hammer home the themes of what they're dealing with is can a person or a being change? Are things inevitable? Uh, is there a way of fighting against destiny? And that's what this whole arc for all of these issues and leading into this Justice League do more that's coming up in the next issue has all been leading up to and all been exploring. And I like that. Like, I liked having that told through the story of Starro, who is a gigantic starfish normally, and have it make sense and be emotionally grounded. I thought the Star of the Conqueror was also a little weird. Uh, but but that was from, uh, what was it called? Uh, not Legion. I don't know. There was some Legion book where he was the villain in that, and it was great. Um, but let me ask you, what do you believe? Do you believe that, uh, you know, it's all destined, you don't control it yourself, it's all pre... Or do you feel like... Uh, well, rather than answering that question, let me say I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> That's a cop-out. Yeah. I believe you can change destiny. I knew you were going to say that as well. All right, next <laughs> one to talk about. This is from Image Comics Coffin Bound. Number Here we one. go. Here we go. Another Zelvin classic. What are you talking about? Oh, we got to have one weird sex thing in here so you feel good about yourself. <laughs> so I feel better about myself oh because my. I know I'd never steep... I'd stoop to those depths. Oh, my God. This That's is so true. creepy. Uh, this is a weird book. Yeah. This is a, a very strange. Uh, the pacing of it is very strange. I like the art quite a bit. Like, it's very Frank Miller-esque, I think. I don't know if you took that away. Sure. Yeah, it could be. Could I don't be. know. Uh, but it's about a girl who's driving it around. There's some other characters and other things that happen. The language is very poetic, it feels like, mm -hmm. almost. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about it, Pete? Well, it was... Super creepy in a lot of ways. And also, like, it went out of its way to be creepy. And I was very much, like, did not feel comfortable reading it. The art is great, but it also has a, kind of a Frank Quitely kind of uh, uh, feel to it. Like the mushiness of the faces and stuff. Yeah, and it was just, like... It was very interesting how calm the main character was with like a half person, half skeleton of a vulture just rolling around with them. And then there was the scene in a, uh, a strip club where the stripper ripped off her skin to kind of show her goods. And I was just like, holy fucking shit. So I've never been to a strip club. That's what they do, right? Uh, they, they slowly peel off their skin. No. Like because the thing is, I you have can't to, do that. But I'd have to imagine you can't actually you get do to the that point where she's like, da 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 for people listening at home, Zalbin is dancing around the room in a way that I don't want to describe. A seductive way. You no. Know, That's the word that I <laughs> I would not. <laughs> you, you are in this 
<laughs> if if you didn't find that seductive, why are you currently slathered in Venom comics? Stop it. <laughs> you are the worst person ever. All right. Let's move on. Uh, I do think that was a impressively gross visual, particularly that yeah. scene. Like, that was a standout scene. Uh, and that's the sort of thing. If they it was pull- hard to move on from that. But if they lead into that more, I'd definitely be more interested to read the book. I bet you would. Well, that sort of thing, where it's just like, this is so fucked up and weird. I'm curious. Uh, yeah. Listen, you love shit like the that. older I get, the more I need <laughs> things to be fucked up to get oh me going. You know what I'm talking about? Oh. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, number seven from <laughs> Boom Studios. This is following up on the... Who made this order of comics? <laughs> this is such a fucking... Man, I don't know. Probably Justin. He's not here. He probably said it through. I'd, I'd have to imagine. Oh, yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, number seven. This is picking up. This is a solo issue, for the most part, focusing on Willow. In order to save Xander's life uh, from turning into a vampire, she split her soul so she has half a soul he's a vampire with half a soul that's where we are in this book right now and willow in this rebooted continuity is dealing with the dark willow side of herself this is a much dreamier uh issue of this book than we've seen previously i like this a lot i thought this was very cool and very different how'd you feel about well, it was, it was kind of sad and it was a little yeah. like i don't know man i uh, this was a the pacing for this book really changed, and I don't know if I was ready for it, but like uh, I liked what they were doing in this issue. I just um, it kind of creeped me out a little bit, and it also made me sad. Well, I don't you, like seeing Willow a little, without a soul. You were a little mixed about previous yep. issues of the book. How did you feel about this one now that we're seven issues in? I don't know, man. <laughs> still don't know. Still, still on the fence. Yeah, still. I don't know. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll check in again at like issue thirty, and you'll be like, "Cool, still, still on the fence." Cool, still on the fence. If you're, here's the thing: if you're on the fence, you're still on the fence. Like you're not off the fence. That's a good point. I get, I get paid to do this. All right, <laughs> you, moving on to another. I don't. You, I, don't. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> uh, Marvel Comics Agents of Atlas number one. This is a rebooted take of the title, spinning out of the War of the Realms. There's two stories in this issue. One from Greg Pak picking up on his recent run on the title, uh, and the other one by Jeff Parker picking up on his old school team for Agents of Atlas. I was a huge fan of Agents of Atlas back of the day, by which I mean four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also like this new team quite a bit. How'd you feel about this book, Pete? Oh, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Greg Pak is an amazing writer. And the, just the the cute kind of like him starting conversation like, hey, what do you think of, uh, you know, and I just... Amadeus Joe. Yeah, Amadeus yep. Joe. And then the other person freaking out and it being like this whole thing. And then this other dude shows up. I I really like the way they kind of did that in between all the action. I think it's it's a great kind of way to tell a story and to show emotion and relationships and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I was really impressed with it. I feel like this is a great start to something and a very interesting team. Um, now, last time we saw Amadeus Cho, he was the Hulk. Now he's just a strong, super smart dude. That changed in Champions, I want to say, okay. where... He went through a whole thing with his Hulk personality. It was going out of control. Yeah. It actually might... I don't know if it was in Champions or the Hulk solo title. It was one of the two. But basically, he integrated himself. So he's not quite as strong now. Uh, he has his intelligence, but that's what he looks like all the time. Cool. Uh, and he's teaming up with a bunch of other characters. They are fighting an, I thought, fascinating conflict 
there's a corporation that is offering the possibility of traveling instantaneously anywhere in the globe. You can try the first time free. After that, you have to pay. Of course, they're going to have bad intentions down the road. But I thought this was a neat setup. It's a fun sci-fi premise, and I'm curious to see where it goes. Yeah, you always got to be wary when they say the first one is free. Yep. Uh, I found that out with cocaine the other night. <laughs> the Ages of Atlas backup story is a ton of fun as well, uh, particularly if you're a fan of the Bizarre team. It just feels like a lost issue of Ages of Atlas from a couple of years ago, and I thought that was fun. Cool. Next one to talk about from DC Comics, Batman number 76, continuing the City of Bane storyline. You felt you felt pretty fucked up about the first issue of this. Yeah. Are you feeling a little better after this one or still quite as bad? Well, this one I'm very excited about because we're finally starting to deal with the stuff that I want to deal with, and that's the Batman. The Kite Cat. Man. Oh, okay, sorry. Not Kite Man. Not Kite Man? Not Kite Man. We dealt with Kite Man quite a you bit. You love Kite Man, I so you had Kite to Man. love this issue. I did. Yeah. I think this storyline is great. For those of you who haven't been reading it, Bane has taken over Gotham City, but he's so effective in keeping order in Gotham City that the rest of the country has said, okay, we're going to back off. So it's a very classic Batman setup where Gotham is cut off from everybody else. But in this case, it's a different riff on it. It's not anarchy, it's order that Bane is bringing to the place. Meanwhile, Batman is unconscious. Uh, Catwoman is trying to nurse him back to health. And meanwhile, we find out more about what's going on in the city, which is villains who essentially have decided not to join with Bane are being hunted down and changed by the psycho pirate. Uh, this is this is so intense. It's there so, is so inti- much it's going great. on. Yeah, There is so much going on. Gotham Girl, like Beating the crap out of somebody, and she's trying to guess his name. Captain was, Adam, yeah. <laughs> that was so Who's, awesome. Uh, she's like, oh, what was it again? She's like pounding him. Oh my god, it was crazy. Uh, well, I love that. I love that because there have been so many enormous, over-the-top Batman events. It seems very hard to come up with one that is going to create any level of danger whatsoever for the characters at this point. But this has. This has put Bane in a situation where there is. Basically, no way to beat him it, to the point where Damien, I think it's uh, Damien and uh, is it Drake or Robin or I don't know. Yeah, it's I, basically two Robins fighting Tim, on a roof. I think it's Tim and Damien. Yeah, uh, Tim and Damien being like, we can't stop him. <laughs> what do we do? And they're fighting each other because they don't know what to do. Yeah. And then like the fact that and it's still creeps me out to see Batman with a gun, even though I know it's not Batman. It's so weird to see Thomas that. Thomas Wayne. Yeah. And then, like, the fact that they're just scanning, looking for trouble, and there's nothing. Yeah. Gotham is just quiet because everyone's scared shitless to do anything. Yeah, it's crazy. I love the storyline so far. Let's move on to an advanced review. This is coming out from Dark Horse Comics on September 25th. <laughs> Tommy Gun Wizards, number one. We actually looked at the first two issues of this comic book, though only the first one comes out at the end of September. Uh, I had no idea what to expect going into this other than the title. I love this book. Yeah. I thought this was so good. This was, uh, I'll give you the pitch line. What if the untouchables, but instead of liquor, magic? Yeah. That's basically it. I'm in. That's it's, a great pitch. Uh, and, and it's like Chicago, 1930s, you know, like, uh, you know, booze is illegal. So all these like prohibition type places. 
Uh, and it's like magic and booze they're dealing out of it. Oh, and it's, so good. And it is, to be clear, it is The Untouchables. It's Elliot Ness. It's everybody else. It is fantastic. I cannot recommend this highly enough. The art's great. The characters are great. Uh, it's not even as straightforward as you think it would be necessarily. Like, you get The Untouchables set up, and then there's a bunch of twists, even in the first issue, and bigger ones in the second issue, uh, that just change it in such fascinating, weird ways. This is great. I, I cannot recommend this book highly enough. Up next from Image Comics, it's Sea of Stars, number two. Jason Aaron, Dennis Hallam, not Dennis Hopeless, take a son and a father, sends them into space. They're trying to find each other again, or at least the dad is trying to find the son. I love the first issue of this book. How'd you feel about the second one? I, I like this. It really picks up right where we left off. You and, love that. You love it when there's no space. Yeah, I love when there's no space. Also, it's <laughs> in space. But, uh, yeah, I think it really handles the kind of, like, freak out that a dad would have. I mean, losing your son's got to be insane, but losing your son in space is extra stress. Uh, but, yeah, I really... And of yeah, course, I mean, I would say, can I just interrupt as a father that sure. just sort of in the rankings, there's, like, grocery store mm-hmm. is at the bottom. Yep. Amusement park... Right above that, yeah. Space, it's got to be the top. Is at the top, and then above that is like a Krispy Kreme. What? Well, because if you're in the Krispy Kreme, you're like, oh, my son is lost. This is really bumming me out while I'm trying to enjoy my donut. <laughs> you're ridiculous. <laughs> and that's that's the worst feeling. You're you're ridiculous. It's just a you bad feeling. You shouldn't be in charge of humans. I just think they should use that in this comic book. Yeah. Um, also, what's fun is we get to see the kid, and he's having the time of his life. He does yeah. not give a shit. that He doesn't know he's lost. I love he's, the world building in this book, yeah. because you could see it right in the title. They are treating space like almost a ocean fantasy. Yeah. Uh, it works a little bit differently, obviously, because there's, you know, it's space. But uh, there's also giant space whales, so. Exactly. Uh, the creatures are fantastic. We get the introduction of a new character at the end and a little bit of explanation about what's going on with the kid. This is a very cool book. I'm excited to read more of it. Yeah, definitely. All right, next one to talk about. This is from Marvel Comics Future Foundation number one. Now, I don't know if you read the last issue of Fantastic Four, which set this up. Uh, this is by Jeremy Whitley. This is following the members of the Future Foundation who decided to keep traveling through the multiverse and space after the regular Fantastic Four decided to go home. Um, they are led by Alex Power of Power Pack. In the last issue of Fantastic Four, he picked up his sister, so now they're co-running the Future Foundation. Um, I thought this was super fun. I really enjoyed this. I know this is much more my speed than yours, Pete, because nobody bloodily died, but how'd you feel about it? Yeah, it's just a cute kid's book. Oh, my God, that's so dismissive. What? It is, though. Yeah, but you, the way that you say that, you're like, it's just... A cute kid's cook. Yeah, it's, you know, they're like... I know I said a cute kid's cook, but just stick with it. Okay, cool. (laughs) I I just think that it is a little dismissive to say that because there's good character work in here. The action is fun. It's creative. And uh, spoiler alert, but uh, kids read comics sometimes. So having something as a kid's book, that doesn't make it a side thing that's not important. That, if anything, makes it a more important thing because we you and I and the rest of our generation are going to die sooner and stop reading comics. So it's actually more important. It's, oh, a kid's book, thank God, that they are bringing new people into this industry. 
Pete. Cool, cool, dude. When you get off your soapbox, let me know, and then we can talk about comedy. I am constantly, my shoes are made out of soapboxes. All right, cool. Because I can't afford anything else. Yeah, no, I'm happy there's stuff. I spend all my money on comics. Right. I'm happy there's stuff for young readers, you know. Uh, that's great for them, and I hope p- young kids read comics. I didn't want to, when I was a kid. I didn't want to read stuff that was like obviously kid stuff. I wanted to read the uh, Wolverines, the Punishers, Captain America, that shit. And so, look how you turned out. Yeah, I turned out great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a psychopath. You're just the dude who slathers yourself in Venom comics. Yeah, no big deal. No, totally big- normal. Yeah, it's all good. It's totally great. Yeah. Here, I'm going to dance around again. Take off some of my skin. Oh, come on. Stop it. Stop it. All right. I really like this book a lot. I'm going to, I'm excited to follow it. I do hope it sticks around, though. I'm certainly already by the first issue worried about its future based on your statements. Let's go over to a Boom Studios book, Ronin Island, number five. We've been following this book a lot. This is uh, also by Greg Pock. This is part of our Pock Picks. Pock Picks. That's what they like to call this section of the show. Uh, This is about an island where there's samurai, there's monsters, there's Ronin. Um, They're all fighting. Uh, We find out more about the mythology. We flash back in time. This issue, yes. There's also Pete? some little seeds of of maybe romance. You're a weird dude. Do yep. you know why you're a weird dude? Because yep. you're like, I wish there was more blood and guts in this kid's comic book. Slash, I'm very excited about the romance in this blood and guts comic book. Well, that's the thing. I want my action. You know, but I like when they throw in some stuff, you know? Right. This is why Pete and I went out uh, for Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, as we are wont to do the other night. And I ate the whole peanut butter cup, and Pete peeled the chocolate off and just ate the chocolate and threw out the peanut butter. No, fuck you. I didn't do that. Don't fucking paint me as some kind of psychopath. Well, you were like, no, too much peanut butter. No, fuck you, man. I just want the peanut butter that's touching this chocolate. I eat my Reese's Peanut Butter Cups like every other person. You just mow until you hit the foil, and then you know to stop. (laughs) Wait, what? Also, do you know that the... No, no, don't move on. The mini uh, are... Because my office gets the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the minis. Yeah. And they're uh, now I I feel like they're better than regular regulation really? size. Why do you think butter. that? Because the because the ratio peel off the chocolate. No, the ratio. Uh, it's too much peanut butter in the regulation size. I like the mini. The chocolate to peanut butter ratio is better. Uh, how do you feel about the pumpkins at Halloween? Too much peanut butter. Too much peanut butter. Yeah. Very interesting. I would put them number one in the hierarchy, personally. Uh, just below Ronan Island number five, which is a very good comic wait, wait, that we definitely we, talked about just now. Yeah, we should definitely talk about <laughs> yes. this. So we we're ramping up. We're kind of getting to know more and more about the people on this island and what's going on. And what's fun is the monsters are becoming a less part of the story. The threat's still there, but it's kind of we're really getting to know the people in a way. I just feel like Greg Pak knows how to tell a story in such a cool way that, like, uh, he's just he's really good at it. The art's really unbelievable. I like the stakes. I love the character development. This is a great book. Next one to talk about from DC Comics, Sinestro, Year of the Villain, number one. This is a one-shot by Mark Russell, following a member of the Legion of Doom as he goes out on the mission. I thought this was so enjoyable, so creative, so much fun. This was a lot, man. Really makes really? you think about your life and what you're doing with it and how much time you're spending on it. Uh-huh. This book is kind of like a, hey, man, you only got so much time on this earth. Is this really what you want to be doing? 
This is what Mark Russell, I think, does so well in his books right now, is he works actual societal issues into superhero comic books, puts them through the lens of satire, but still makes them fun to read as superhero books. And here, Sinestro is sent out of this mission by Lex Luthor, who essentially is sending him to his death, or trying to send him to his death, to stop these in unstoppable beings that are destroying planet after planet on their way to Earth. Uh, and it turns out that these beings are filled with billions, if not trillions, of other tiny beings who live milliseconds of life and repair these beings, which is how they're so unstoppable. Mm -hmm. So Sinestro has to figure out a way to stop these beings by appealing to the even tinier beings who live inside of him. It's so smart. It's so funny. It's perfect for Sinestro as well. Just his calculated evil order yeah. that he's always pushing. Such a smart book. Yeah, I did not know what to expect going into this one shot, but I ended up loving it. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would disagree with you, and you just said it's so funny. I don't know if it's really funny, but it's definitely a cool book. Uh, was it not funny because it hit too close to home? Well, I, I, what part were you laughing at? Like, ah, ha, ha, these little micro people are wasting their lives. I The satire of it all, the idea that they're so easily swayed by what they see on TV oh, and yeah. then swayed back, I thought that was smart and funny and well-pointed. Um, I'm not... Uh, usually the stuff ends up being very blunt in comic books, yeah. and I think uh, Russell and company hit it exactly the right way. I, I like that quite a bit. Yeah. All right. Next one to talk about from Image Comics, Thumbs number three. Oh, now, man. we had the uh, writer of this, Sean Lewis, on the I show. I wish the we other could week. have this guy to talk about this book, man. I'm really upset. We had him on our live oh, show, Pete. I should have talked to him. You were on the show. I should have talked to him. God you damn did. It. Really blew it. Wait, no, you did. You were on the show. Yeah. With him. Yeah. You can listen to it on our podcast feed, Pete. I, I, yeah, I just wish. Yeah, I, I, I have so many things I want to talk about. Oh, you to have them. questions about this issue. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah. That was unclear to me. I blew it. Yeah. You really blew it not asking him about something you hadn't read yet. Yeah, exactly. So in Thumbs, this takes place in a dystopian world where video games have kind of taken over the world. VR has taken over the world. And there is a VR revolution happening versus the theocracy that is in charge. We learn more about the world and the setup. I said in an earlier book was a little Frank Miller-esque. The art in here is very Frank Miller-esque, yes. particularly this is, I keep wanting to say episode, uh, this issue. Uh, I really liked it a lot. Though. This book is amazing. The art alone is worth picking this up. The art is so fantastic. What an amazing world it brings to life. Um, yeah. And there is this kind of interesting thing about, like, the power of moms uh, that I would love yeah. to talk to the writer about. Like, uh, But if the first issue started off so kind of, like, uh, crazy and kind of, like, intense, this one really slows down and deals with things in a, in a, in a better way. I really love the pace of this issue. I'm very excited for more for this. This is such a creative, cool book. I'm very uh, glad that we, we were talking about it. It's such yeah, a great absolutely. Book. Definitely pick it up. Uh, it's really not like anything else on the stands. Yep. Last book to talk about. This is from Marvel Comics. This has been promised to be the issue that changes everything for the X-Men, House of X number two. Now, if you haven't been picking it up, there's two series that work as one, House of X and Powers of Ten, 
a.k.a. Powers of X. Uh, the first issue showed us the new status quo for the X-Men, uh, that they are not taking over the world, but pushing forward in evolution, forming their own society on Krakoa. The second issue shows how that all goes to shit in the future, jumping forward 10, 100, 1,000 years in the future, um, where eventually machines take over and the machines and humans and mutants fight, and basically the entire world is destroyed, then recreated in the robot's image, so the mutants have lost. The other thing that we got to see last issue is we got to see a very brief scene between very brief. Professor X and Moira McTaggart, where she said read my mind, this has all happened before. Now, this issue goes back and fills in the gaps there and shows you what happened completely. This is massive spoilers. Completely redefines Moira McTaggart, the history of the X-Men, the history of the Marvel Universe, everything. I I don't want to get too hyperbolic here necessarily, but this is a mind-blowing issue, particularly if you're a fan of the X-Men. This is the sort of issue where I kept looking back at it and reading it again and checking things. I ended up on a deep wiki hole of history to make sure the things matched up. But what Jonathan Hickman has managed to do here is weave through the entire continuity of the X-Men, simplify it, and add a new detail that doesn't contradict anything, but also redefines everything. And that's huge. Pete, what did you think about this book? Well, first, we got to back up the truck a little bit here and just say we had a stack. We had to read a bunch of stuff. And then last minute, you threw this thing at us. So I had to read this. And uh, I'm not a fan of this series. You're uh, crazy. Hickman stuff is so dense. This guy was like, you know what's great about comics is the merging of words and pictures you know what fuck pictures i'm gonna give you a fucking book oh, that you've got to read in crazy. the middle of this the art is because, so good in this book yeah well apparently he hates the artist because no, he's not he's taking it's away also work an extra he's taking away book. extra long book he's taking work no, away from the artist pages he's taking money out of the children of the poor artists who are trying to make a living in this world and he I says, will fuck say, you. Hey, I, Hickman, write books if you want to write books. I will say, showing the artist's children a picture of them at the end and them saying, please, sir, I'm hungry, that yeah. was a weird move. That was bold. Yes. That was bold. Borderline but if dickish. you count the pages, it's the same number of pages for the artist. You get additional pages of story, of backstory that help flesh it out. Yeah, it's like, hey, I got this great pitch for you. If you ever just like thought what happens in between panels, and then I'm going to go on a fucking crazy tangent that <laughs> fucking means nothing. No, and it will have it's no so, ramifications no, 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 whatsoever. No, no. That is fuck all this. I I don't I don't want to be rude. You are. Hey, you want you want me to take characters that you thought you knew and loved and ruin them? Cool, I'll do that for you. You you. You loved Moira McTaggart? No. <laughs> so, all right, calm yeah, down, Pete. Yeah, I know. I'm going also, to, if I'm you going. are, this is one of those books that if you are ignoring the word portions, you are missing massive chunks of exposition. So when you say that they don't mean anything and have no ramifications, they have massive ramifications for everything happening in the X-Men of the Marvel Universe. Completely. Yeah. I continue to not like this series or this idea. And I, I just want to mention, I as hope you, that... It ends sooner rather than later. It's not. It's going to go on for months in this Ugh. new status quo. Uh, now, our co-host, Justin, couldn't be here. Don't read something uh, no, from no, that No, no, no. I'm not going to read it. I'm not. I promise. I won't read anything from him. I promise. 
Okay. Uh, he just uh, wanted to say something about this book, though. Okay. So why? Why are you rewarding this guy for not Shh. being here? No, Pete. This book is great. There you go. <laughs> he just wanted to let you know that uh, he agrees with me. So there you go. Cool, dude. <laughs> for Beyond the Grave. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so actually, I feel like I should change that to my ringtone. Yeah. Uh, just uh, <laughs> anytime someone calls and says, No, Pete, this book is great. Yeah, just Pete, uh, t- say what you think of House of X again. It's, it's a waste. I don't like it. No, Pete, this book is great. Oh, look at you've got a new toy. This is great. I love Alex this. is happy. I'm going to sell, sell this in stores. I really, I just really like this I don't like a lot. the idea of the X-Men being villains. I like them as superheroes, not villains. So, These books are painting them as bad people. And this woman, a cool, interesting power, very unique. I like the way this started. But then she just kept doing weird, like she was all over the board. You couldn't tell who she was. So, she doesn't know who she is. So sure, she hooks up with Charles Xavier. Great, now I'm going to be super evil, and then I'm going to go back and ruin Charles Xavier's life. Here's Okay, so to give you the layout, if you didn't happen to read the book, uh, what we find out is that Moira McTaggart, spoiler, three, two, one, is in fact a mutant, something that has been kind of danced around the entire time in continuity. They've been very clear and been like, no, 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 she's a human. Just she hangs out consistently with mutants all the time. Also, she's the only human to contract the legacy virus isn't that weird? So this is something that is very well supported by everything that's gone on. Uh, but what I think, and it keeps changing every issue, and this is what I'm really liking about these series, is I wasn't totally sold on the first issue, on the first issue of House of X. It felt like, to your point, I, as an X-Men fan, feel uncomfortable yeah. about the X-Men being villains or yeah. whatever is going on here. There's something wrong. Like there's something also, different. Also, I don't like paying off the humans to leave them alone. Right. That's a villain and I think move. that's fine. Like I think that is the feeling that you get from the first issue. The second issue, you find out, oh, whatever's going on, they lose completely, and the Earth gets ruined. Yep. And I start not to like, cool X Men. Not cool, but I like that a little bit more because that seems very consistent with the X Men, where they always put the Earth in a situation where it gets more fucked than they left it. Like yeah, they try cool. to be heroes, and things only get worse worse. That's one of the things that is intrinsic to being the X-Men comic books. And then this third issue, the reason that I am now all in as of this third issue is it is becoming clear to me, and I'm sure it'll change by next issue, but what Jonathan Hickman is doing is he is focusing on the different aspects of the X-Men and fleshing them out and building them into this Uber story. And the, the thing here is evolution. He is taking it back to its base where Moira McTaggart, every time she dies, she goes back and has the chance to evolve and change. And nine times, she completely fucks it up. Which, again, very classic X-Men. But she keeps doing these things where she's like, all right, I'm going to try it with Xavier. Nope, it gets fucked up. I'm going to try it with Magneto. Nope, it gets fucked up. I'm going to try it with Apocalypse. Nope, it fucked up. And then she says, you know what? I'm going to break the rules. I'm going to do something different. We don't know what that thing is yet. Like, we still don't know what it is that she did differently that now sets them on this path that we now see them on in the quote-unquote present. But 
that is what is exciting to me is that he is looking at evolution and mutant powers in a different way in this issue. The previous issue, he's looking at the whole like age of apocalypse, days of future past, playing with that. The first issue was playing with the whole Genosha, Krakoa, uh, giant size X-Men thing. So he is touching on all of these things throughout X-Men history, finding new riffs and new ways of exploring them. And listen, it it's all also, hold on. It might all be too much by the end and completely fall apart. In but this is right now three issues in, so ambitious and so fascinating. It's exciting. Plus, he's working really hard to make Nimrod relevant. I mean, Nimrod is always relevant. Fuck he's Nimrod. pink. He's white. He looks like a big old crystal. I love that guy. He's not in this issue, so thank yes, you. Yes, he bringing. is. Is he? Yeah, you missed him. He was in the corner. Getting his ass kicked. Oh, right. Yes, when they did the uh-huh. robot montage. There was Master Mold. There was the Sentinels. There was Nimrod. Okay, yes. Absolutely. Uh, I, I cannot say enough good things about this. I can't I say enough bad it. things about this. You're... Uh, hold on one second. I no, think I, don't pull that bullshit no, up no, again. No, I think I have... Uh, Stop just when rewarding you say, a guy who's not even all, here. All I'm saying is you said... What did you say? You I'm said something about I'm not going to tee you up, you piece of shit. <laughs> you said it... No. It, you can't say no. enough bad things about it? La, 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 la. This book is great. I don't know. Yeah. My my sound file. You know, you know what's cool, dude? Reward a guy who doesn't even show up to do podcasts. <laughs> that's a great that's a great way to live your life. Thank you. I really appreciate you saying that, Pete. And I'm gonna take it on face value. Guys, thank you so much for listening in to Pete and Alex fight about the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on down. We will yell at you about the X-Men. <laughs> Pete, what do you want to plug? Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live shows. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, Android, or the app of your choice. And we'll see you next time. Real quick before we go. No, stop it. Stop. Pete, stop slathering yourself with Venom comic books. It's not cool, man.